Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm Jennifer Slattery, one of your hosts, and I am passionate about helping God's children live in freedom because life is much too short for any of us to live enslaved. I would love to connect with you online. Just Google my name. I don't know about you, but Christmas seems to creep up on me every year. And this year, that was especially true. And honestly, I don't really know how to plan for it. Can you relate? It just feels like so much has changed and is still changing and may change. And I know some of you are really struggling with all the changes, with all the disappointments this holiday season will probably bring. I know many of you are hurting grieving, and feeling anxious about so many things. Maybe you've been hit pretty hard financially, and you worry you won't be able to provide a special Christmas for your kids or your loved ones. Maybe you live alone and don't feel safe traveling, and so you're already struggling with what for you might be an overly quiet Christmas. And still others of you are just trying to catch your breath from all that has occurred this past year. And you're desperately praying for peace, but feel as if that precious gift forever eludes you. Christmas, a time when we celebrate the Prince of Peace, when we celebrate his promise to bring us peace, can often feel anything but peaceful. Am I right? But that's partially what makes Christ's gift so precious. Just over 2,000 years ago, he stepped into our mess and shattered our darkness with light. If anything, everything going on today has deepened my understanding and appreciation for all that occurred that first Christmas morning. I am certain Mary and Joseph, and probably their parents as well, had to work through the messy, confusing emotions that come when big, special life events don't play out according to our expectations. You're probably familiar with the story with how God sent his angel Gabriel to young unwed Mary to tell her the news our most hope-filled Christmas carols always proclaim, that she would soon give birth to God's son, the long-promised savior of the world. And I wonder what all went through her head in that moment. What anxieties and fears did she wrestle with? Did she worry about how others might respond to her? Did she worry if Joseph, her fiance, would reject her? If maybe everyone, her friends and neighbors and family would reject her and she would be forced to birth and raise this child alone? Scripture doesn't tell us what all went through her mind. All we see is her response, and it's a beautiful one. She replied seemingly instantly, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, we don't know how challenging or easy it was for her to say that. We don't know all that she processed afterwards. As a mama who saw her daughter's long-planned wedding drastically changed due to COVID, I wonder if Mary's wedding plans, plans perhaps her and her mother had talked about, dreamed about for years, I wonder if those were changed. While thankfully Joseph didn't reject her, their wedding plans were certainly disrupted. So let me read what followed Mary's visit with the angel, beginning with Matthew 1, verse 18. Scripture says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Skipping ahead to verse 24, we read, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. From scripture and what I've read in commentaries, it appears as if Joseph took Mary as his wife immediately, though he didn't, quote, consummate the marriage as was custom for some time later. Now, if this is true, Did that mean they didn't get to enjoy all the ancient wedding traditions, which were quite elaborate and which I'm sure Mary and her mother had long talked and dreamt of? So usually the betrothal period, it lasted a year, during which time the man and the woman were considered legally married, but didn't have intimate relations or live with one another just yet. And then there was an elaborate wedding procession when the groom and his friends came with tambourines and musical instruments to fetch his bride, to take her to his house for the wedding feast, which that itself could last a week. And the bride, she would just be so beautiful, wearing a beautiful dress and adorned with jewels and other accessories. And and I imagine just that whole period was such a special time for the mom and the daughter, especially as the bride, as she got all dolled up. Similarly, the groom would be dressed in his best attire. And then once at the groom's house, they would feast and rejoice And I wonder, did Mary and Joseph get to experience any of that? Did Mary's mom get to experience the joy of helping her daughter slip into her dress, do up her hair, put on her jewelry? And did they maybe mourn again when sometime later, a government census forced the couple to travel some 90 miles to Joseph's ancestral home to presumably give birth to this child alone? Which seems probable that that they did give birth to Jesus alone because Mary herself swaddled Jesus. And then did they once again have to grieve all their expectations surrounding the birth of their firstborn child? And, you know, this had to be really frightening for them as well. During this time of history, so many women and children died in childbirth. And here Mary was giving birth to her firstborn so far from home. And like I said, presumably without a midwife attending her. And I imagine she wrestled with doubt and fear on the whole journey to Bethlehem. And then as her contractions increased just through that whole process and Probably many of you can relate. COVID has caused all of us to face death in a way and at a frequency that we haven't had to before. And it's causing questions and doubts to rise to the surface. I encourage you to evaluate those questions and doubts. What are you really afraid of? Trace your fears out to their root. Ask God to help you get to the root. And then tell God about them and ask him to speak truth to your heart, to speak truth to those places of fear and hurt. And when he does, hold tight to that truth and hold tight to him. As I was preparing for this episode, I was struck by the wording from Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. So in his, in his song, in Luke chapter 1, verses 68 and 75, he said, speaking of the Messiah, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. 
that really struck me, to serve him without fear. Jesus and John the Baptist, they grew up in pretty frightening times. Christ's disciples lived in frightening times, as have all the believers who's come after us included. But our courage, our assurance goes so much deeper than our circumstances. In Christ, we can live and serve him without fear, not because life on earth will always be easy and free of problems, but because God will remain with us always. And we know heaven is coming. That is the gift God gave us that first Christmas morning. Emmanuel, God with us. When fears arise, we need to actively remind ourselves of that. Actively remind ourselves of God's presence. We need to actively hold tight to truth. And I imagine that's what Joseph and Mary did on that long, long journey from Galilee to Bethlehem. And then that night when Mary's contractions increased, I suspect when doubts and fears arose, they reminded themselves or maybe even one another of the promises God had spoken over them. They probably rejoiced in all God had done and was doing. They had been part of a miracle, the fulfillment of an event God had promised since the beginning of time. And they had each other. But one can grieve what is lost and celebrate what is given simultaneously. When we grieve and honestly acknowledge our feelings regarding a situation, that doesn't mean we're not grateful. That doesn't mean we're not focused on Jesus or lack faith. It means we hurt. And God understands that. When we grieve, He grieves with us. My daughter got married last May, and it was such a beautiful, special, painful, celebratory, anxious time. I share a bit of this story in my Thriving with Chronic Illness podcast in episode two, Dealing with Depression. You can find that on lifeaudio.com. As you can imagine, that event did not go according to plan, and that was hard. I had dreamt of that wedding since she was a little girl, of helping her get ready, of decorating the venue, of watching her and her new husband and and her and her daddy dance beneath twinkling tea lights and, and lace drapings. And I had to grieve all that. She got married in my living room and it was still special and it was still beautiful, but I had to grieve my expectations. I had to take an honest look at my emotions. I had to prayerfully evaluate all I was feeling because those emotions weren't going to go away by me shoving them down or pretending that my heart didn't hurt. When we do that so often, our grief comes out in so many other ways, increased anxiety being one of them. And so I gave myself permission to feel the disappointment. And my daughter, my husband, her fiance, and I, we were able to talk about it honestly together. And initially, I kept my disappointment to myself because I didn't want to add to their grief. And I'm pretty sure they were doing the same, but that didn't help anyone. Instead, we chose to be honest regarding our disappointments. And there was such healing and comfort and release and bonding in that. We grieved our expectations and then we released them so that we could enjoy every blessing God provided. And he did provide so many blessings. When my daughter was growing up, my husband worked for the railroad in upper management. So that meant we moved a lot. And because back then, at least the railroad didn't take time off, he often worked the holidays. Because of this, we learned to prioritize the event over the day. And we often held our Thanksgiving dinner on the following 
Friday or Saturday, but that also meant we couldn't travel, which in turn meant we often celebrated holidays alone. And sometimes that felt lonely. And as a mom, it was hard to think that our daughter was potentially missing out, that her holidays wouldn't be special. So we talked about this. We acknowledged the reality, but then we became proactive and we determined ways we could make it special. So we started two traditions that have become quite special to our daughter. So on Christmas morning, we go to IHOP for breakfast and then we go to a movie. On Thanksgiving, my husband's family, they all, for years, for decades, they all went to his aunt's in Milwaukee. And they've been doing this, like I said, just since as long as I can remember and since he was a little boy. And it's grown to where four generations are present, as many as 50 people, maybe more, attend. And there's always games. Everyone pairs up in teams of two, and they compete first in a round of miniature golf on a course that snakes its way through the house, down the stairs, out the back door. And I want to say around back through the front door, but I I can't figure out how we made it up the stairs, but anyway, and then there's a peanut toss and the team that wins, like everybody tallies their points and the team that wins, they get an unforgettable prize, a rubber chicken. And the family passes around that rubber chicken from winner to winner year after year. Now, obviously we won't be attending this year. So once again, we talked about ways to make our small, quiet celebration special. We'll play games, we'll eat, and we'll determine before the day even starts to remain alert to every moment of joy that comes our way, to fully enjoy every moment of joy that comes our way. So what can you do to bring joy, intentionally bring joy into your holidays? How can you cultivate moments of laughter. Be intentional about that. Laughter is so very healing, so very necessary to our souls. So find ways to laugh. Seek out laughter. Search for the good and grab hold of it with both hands. Celebrate every ray of sunshine that comes your way. Take a day to brainstorm and then plan ways to cultivate fun and joy. Do that for yourself. Do that for your mental health, your physical health. Do it for your family and do it to set a joyous example for our watching world. I don't know what you'll be missing out on this year or what challenges you'll face. But I know God has good for you, even in this season. And he'll bring good to your loved ones as well. I know that can be the hardest for our hearts to deal with over the holidays, worries over our loved ones. And I don't want to dismiss the depth of grief and angst I'm sure many of you are facing. Maybe your mom is in a nursing home and your heart is breaking that you're not able to see her as much as you'd like. And some of you may be worrying that this might be your loved one's last Christmas and you're grieving not being able to spend that time with them. Or maybe you're the one in assisted living and you feel so alone and anxious, not knowing what the holidays, what tomorrow or next year will bring. And I have to say that's so, so hard. That hurts. And that's a hurt I'm not going to be able to fix in a 30-minute podcast, but maybe I can offer some comfort in this. God is with you. He sees you. He loves you. He gets it. And even now, He has a plan. You might need to see a counselor 
who can help you process all this or join a support group. I know it's harder to connect with C19. It takes more effort, but that's why it's even more important that we do so. We need one another. Holy Love Ministries wants to help. We have a private community on Facebook where women can share their hurts, their struggles, where where we can pray for one another and receive support. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Holy Loved Ministries, or you can contact us through our website and we can send you a direct link. When life feels hard, uncertain, and confusing, we must find ways to connect with others, and we must hold tight to all that is certain. When we can't see God's hand, we must trust his heart. A while ago, my family and I were dealing with some significant challenges that had my stomach tied up in knots, and it made it super, super hard for me to sleep. I was worried about someone I care really deeply for, and all I could see with my eyes was darkness and uncertainty, and I was tempted to let that become my reality. But then God spoke to me one night through a study I had been reading by Henry Blackaby, and he wrote, you don't know the truth on a matter until you know Jesus's truth. And this reminded me of how short-sighted and distorted my vision is, which is why scripture tells me not to rely on my vision. I'm to walk, I'm to live by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence, assurance, hope. Those are the gifts God longs to give us this year. Confidence in the God who is always faithful, always trustworthy, our ever-present help in times of trouble and times of need. He has promised to remain with us always. And that is something a global pandemic can never take away. So we trust in him and we trust that he will bring good from our pain. He will bring good from our loved one's pain as well. When our loved ones are hurting and our hearts are shredding, we must hold tight to that truth. We must be so, so careful with the words we speak to our souls. We can tell ourselves that our loved ones are abandoned and alone, or we can remind ourselves that they are deeply loved by a God who knows and loves them and who has promised to perfect all that concerns them. Honestly, I struggle with this. I don't like to see those I love suffer. I will try so hard to help them avoid any suffering or to fix whatever is causing them pain. And I say try because inevitably after all my finagling and striving and attempts to control and fix things, I eventually reach the end of myself. I surrender my loved ones and my situation and their situation to God. And I discover that he knew best all along. And he has always done and will always do what's best. The summer before our daughter's sophomore year, we moved and that was crazy hard on her. She was disconnected from her friends, from our former faith community. She, we are in a new environment where she didn't know anyone. She had zero emotional support outside of my husband and I. And I have to tell you, that was really hard to watch. I wanted to find a way to alleviate my daughter's pain and man, did I try? And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would send my daughter a friend. And then one day I sensed him saying to my spirit, you be her friend. And so that's what I determined to do. I shifted my thinking from Mrs. Fix-It to Mrs. Present, from external circumstances to our relationship. As a result, God used that really hard and painful time in our daughter's life to deepen our bond 
And I think often God does the same with us. I don't believe he caused this pandemic or the economic challenges that have hit so many because of it. But I do believe he will use everything we go through to deepen our relationship with him, to help us come to know him on a deeper level. We may just need to shift our focus some off of our attempts to fix things and onto our Savior who holds all things, our world and our hearts included in his hands our children's hearts as well. And he has such good plans for them, even if due to economic challenges, this Christmas feels a little lean. During the lean times, we have the opportunity to help them discover and hold tight to their true treasures. Treasures that, while priceless, often get lost, overshadowed in the noisiness of life until all those extra things suddenly fall away. And we're able to see and appreciate those gifts that we've had all along, one another and Jesus. Consider this quote from Margaret Clarkson. It is not by miraculous deliverance that our faith grows, but by discovering God's faithfulness in the midst of our pain. You and I can show our kids, our loved ones, our friends, what it looks like to truly lean on Jesus. We can reveal the gospel in action, and that is powerful. That is priceless. This Christmas, take time to reflect on past experiences that really hurt in the moment, but that God ultimately used for good. Maybe you learned something new about him. Maybe you reached a new level of surrender or healing. Maybe you wrestled through an area of doubt that he ultimately answered with truth. Or maybe you learned something new about yourself. Journal about those times. Talk with your loved ones about them and build within each other an anticipation to see God move however he chooses And ask him to make you a radiant beacon of light this holiday season, whether that's through your keyboard, posting encouraging messages and prayers on Facebook, maybe writing cards to those you know are hurting and alone, setting up Zoom calls with others. There are so many ways we can shine light into other people's darkness. And I am confident when we do that, our world becomes a little brighter as well. We can live on mission, even in this, no matter where we're at, no matter who we encounter, because most likely someone is watching. And maybe on a normal day, it's easy for them to dismiss our proclamations regarding Christ. But then something happens, something big, and we don't fall apart. We display a joy and a peace uncharacteristic for our circumstances. And I guarantee that preaches. That causes people to ask questions, to pay attention, because while we probably would all love a pain-free, chaos-free life, we've probably discovered we won't receive that this side of heaven. And so what we need is the strength to endure with hope. What we need is someone to turn to, someone to lean on, and someone and something to trust. And we have that in Christ and his promises. When life feels hard and uncertain, and people see us leaning hard on Jesus, I am convinced it awakens that longing for connection, for stability and security deep within them. Our reliance on Christ in moments of pain and weakness can provide more evidence for the gospel than a thousand well-written gospel tracts. Throughout scripture, we see God using some of the most burdensome, maybe even painful circumstances to further his plan. Consider all of the traveling surrounding Jesus's birth. Like I said earlier, a government census forced them to travel some 90 miles to Bethlehem. That would not have been a comfortable trip for Mary, to say the least. But in this, God fulfilled the prophecy that said his son would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, granted, 
it's likely they knew this. They probably saw the connection. I'm sure that helped. Most likely remembering the prophecy and seeing God's hand in the middle of their journey, that probably brought such peace and endurance. And I know you and I don't have often have that luxury. We can't always see or understand all that God is doing through our difficult circumstances, but we can know his heart. We can know his character and his ways. And that's where trust and faith come in. We know God will bring good from our circumstances because he is good and he has promised good to us. The more we know of God, of who he is, all he's done and all he's promised yet to do, the more peace we'll experience. To quote author John C. Hutchinson, God's insights into what can be known gives us peace about the unknown. He goes on to say that we must focus our perspectives on the truth about God and his revealed plan rather than our feelings about our circumstances. Isn't that good? We have the power to choose what we'll focus on, what we'll give the most weight to, our feelings or truth. And again, that's not to say we suppress or deny our feelings, but rather that we allow God's truth to reign over them. We hold tight to what we know, not what we see. Now, let's talk about boundaries, an area I know brings so many people anxiety during the holiday season. And I'm sure that's even more so now. Which family should you spend time with? How long should you stay? What if you're married and both sets of parents are pressuring you to spend the holidays with them? What if one side of the family creates unnecessary tension and conflict on a good day? And so now you're certain tossing in a global pandemic, it's going to be just a mess. Or what if you're only comfortable attending that family gathering so long as everyone wears masks and your family is strongly against mask wearing? or vice versa. In those cases, you'll need to set firm and clear boundaries, and you don't have to explain why. Simply do what you feel God is leading you to do. Let people know what you will and won't do, and entrust everything else, your great aunt's reactions included, to Jesus. But I encourage you to understand the emotions behind the responses. Take time to really see other people's hearts. Everyone is hurting right now. So many people are afraid right now. So many of the reactions we see come from their fear. Everyone feels unsettled. Those standing on the other side of the issue than you that seem to be acting so irrationally, can you see their fear, their hurt, and their confusion? Those relatives that go from calm to upset faster than you can swallow your mashed potatoes. Can you see their fear and confusion? James 1 verse 19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What if this Christmas, when emotions escalated, whether that occurred in person, over the phone, or through Zoom, what if we hit pause and simply listened. And not just to the words the other person spoke, but what if we listened for the heart beneath them? What if we listened to understand? I think we would find that contentious family member or coworker is likely feeling the same emotions that we are. They may attribute them to another cause, but we don't have to agree with them to empathize. And maybe that's the most beautiful thing that can come from this whole C-19 mess. Maybe it can remind us all of our humanness, of our commonality, of our fragility, 
And maybe through that, we can show one another a bit of the love and the grace of God, a love and grace that has the strength to carry us through whatever we'll encounter this holiday season. I know there's so much so many people are dealing with right now, real loss, real fear, real anxiety. And like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I can point you to the one who does have all the answers and who is your answer and who will be there for you through it all. And I can point you to his promise that one day good will come. The hurt will be gone for good. In the meantime, may we hold tight to him. I thank you so much for listening. I hope it encouraged you. And I really hope it will give you some tools that can help make your holiday season just a little brighter. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode. And I would love it if you would rate it. That really encourages me and it helps other people to find it as well. Make sure to share it on social media. And until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.